Welcome to the road to growth, success of an entrepreneur. We've raised the bar. Learn firsthand from successful business owners and create your own path to success. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's time to hit the road to growth with team lead of the Enriquez Group, Realtor Thank Vinny. you for being here. Uh, today we have Sam Morris. Uh, he is the founder of Zen Warrior Training LLC. I mean, I think... I can understand what what that means, positive mindset, when some kind of hiccup happens, like we just had a second ago, something like that happens, uh, just be zen with it, be one with uh, the world. But I, I know I'm just, this is just basic basic for me, kind of walk me through what zen is and what, what your company does. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a coaching, executive coaching, and what I focus on is enlightened leadership and embodied wisdom. So I, I have um, realized along the way that a lot of us pick up a lot of knowledge, but we don't necessarily turn it into wisdom. That's a whole other thing. And so Zen Warrior Training is um, a program that, that involves coaching. I also incorporate breath work and meditation practices and other embodiment practices to really connect people to that essential source of wisdom that resides within us and then lead their businesses from that perspective, from that wisdom. And so, you know, one of the biggest things that we, we all know the axiom, you know, I am, I am my own worst enemy. Well, that doesn't need to be the case. We can become our own best friend as well. And the reason why we are, we tend to be our own worst enemy is we don't examine what's going on up here enough. You know, 95% of this is unconscious stuff. And like uh, the famous psychologist Carl Jung said, until the unconscious becomes conscious, it will continue to control us and we will call it fate. And I don't really believe we need to call something fate. I believe that we can create our destiny rather than uh, succumbing to other, our, our otherwise fated experience. Now, this way of looking at the world, I mean, is this how you always look to the world? Is this a, a newer thing? I know you had a um, something big that happened to you in, in the late 90s. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so this is a lifetime of exploration. I've always been interested, even before I knew the word consciousness, I was interested in the nature of consciousness. I was interested in, you know, why is it that, say, for example, when I was growing up, I, was, I grew up on a farm. Why is it that when I go out into the woods, I feel differently? than I feel, say, when I'm in the middle of a busy city with all this stuff going on. What is it about that feeling, that sort of connection, that sense of wholeness that you can feel in nature that somehow feels sort of, was for me, harder to access in an environment with a lot of stimulation and that type of thing. And so I became really fascinated with what are the things that that inform our our thinking and our mood and behaviors, et cetera? So this has been a lifelong uh, area of fascination for me. And I also, during my teenage years, I became really clear about the fact that a lot of people were going for success in their lives, but ultimately not becoming happier and more fulfilled people. And I thought, and, and, and I could see that the metrics that people were using for success seemed to be kind of off. You know, a lot of people would, would, 
earn the money and gain the status and have the houses and have the cars and this and that, but they weren't any happier. They weren't any more fulfilled. And oftentimes they were actually more miserable as a result of adding all of this stuff into their lives, but then having all of these responsibilities and all of, you know, it was all the upkeep and everything and not really doing any sort of inner work or self-discovery work along the way because they're so busy with all the stuff that they're doing in the external world. And I thought, well, that doesn't look particularly successful to me. I mean, success to me, if we look at what, what, what's the greatest value that we all sort of possess, I think we would say freedom and love. Can we feel love in our lives and can we have a sense of freedom in our lives? And so that was, for me, that's always been the metric. How much freedom am I able to experience and how much love am I able to experience? And I would look at a lot of people who are su successful, I'm using air quotes here, successful by society standards who weren't experiencing any more love or any more freedom than anyone else for that matter. And that kind of bothered me. And so, so that was something that I was really connected to even as a teenager. And then when I was uh, 24, so I had just completed leading a cycling trek across the United States. I was an athlete at the time. I was a snowboarder, skier, biker. And I led a cycling trek for nine teenagers from Seattle to New Jersey in a little less than two months. We camped every night. We cooked all our own food. It was the most intense challenge of my life. And only two and a half months after that happened, after we completed that journey, I was in a car wreck caused by a drunk driver, which left me paralyzed from the waist down. And so that was intense. You know, I, I can't even begin to put that experience into words to try to, you know, describe the level of devastation that comes along with being an avid outdoorsman active athlete in the prime of my life, like just beginning to move into the prime of my life and then to suddenly become paralyzed from the waist down, there's no words to describe that. It's just that level of trauma and what you have to go through on an emotional and psychological level is just beyond words. Um, but every day I just kept choosing, okay, well, this is what's here for me. You know, how do I choose that Zen mindset of acceptance and surrender to what is, which is essentially the Zen mindset, just being with what is without being in a conflict? How do I just keep doing that day in and day out? And uh, it was tough. I mean, it was really tough. I actually have spent over two years of my life combined completely immobilized in hospital beds without being able to move an inch from complications from my spinal cord injury. And I had to keep doing that because the alternative was just to fall into a pit of despair. And who wants that? You know, I mean, I had every excuse to fall into that pit of despair. I had every excuse to medicate myself and to zone out and just kind of want to avoid life. But I, uh, you know, I just didn't have it in me to do that. So I just put, did the hard work to keep my attitude above water. And, um, and I learned a ton through that experience. I learned just so much about how much agency we can actually have over our own 
mind by continuing to reinforce what the attitude that we want to reinforce. What does that look like? What it looks like is every day we're thrown all of these things into our lives. We're thrown challenges with relationships. We're thrown challenges with our work. We're thrown challenges, you know, in our drive to work, all of these things that are, well, maybe not our drive to work during COVID, but, you know, in, in most situations, there are all of these things coming from the external world that we can't anticipate that are coming at us, that are throwing us off what we had, the, the direction that we wanted to be going in. You know, suddenly this conversation comes up with a partner and it's like, oh man, where is this coming out of? Or this obstacle comes up, some kind of email comes in that totally throws us off. And we go into a state of reaction around that. We don't really know how to handle that situation. And for that moment, we become like, you know, the, 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 the animal in the cage that feels cornered. And it's like feeling a sense of impossibility. Like, what do I do? I wasn't expecting this. I wasn't expecting to see the stock market plunge today. I wasn't expecting to see, you know, COVID take my grandmother away or whatever the case might be. And so what, do you, that, what do you do in those situations? Well, f the first thing is to connect into the breath and into the body. So the thing that I've always discovered about the connection between the mind and body is the breath is a crucial component to this, which is why the ancient masters of yoga and meditation have always taught to focus on the breath, because it is the breath that controls that connection between brain and body that regulates that connection. So for example, when I am exhaling, it automatically engages the parasympathetic nervous system and the vagus nerve. That then brings me into a greater state of calm. Now, if I'm not really taking full breaths, my body's going to be like, <laughs> you know, kind of like I'm exaggerating here a bit, but this is where what a lot of people are doing throughout their day. They're breathing in a restricted way that isn't allowing the energy to move through. And they're kind of in this perpetual state of reaction, this sort of perpetual state of fight or flight where the stress of life feels like it's too much. And when the stress of life feels like it's too much, we get paralyzed. And I realized, you know, it's, I'm using that term very intentionally because, you know, I'm paralyzed from the waist down, but actually the only paralysis can ever occur in my head. What has happening from the waist down for me is just an inconvenience. Well, What's so okay? Let's you you went through that situation, and it's the breathing, it's the 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 the, the meditation. Yet, yeah, I think for for a lot of us, right, our own I guess worst enemy is our own brain, like you said previously, roughly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so when you're breathing, what mindset, what affirmations? I mean, is there something else that you're you're doing to allow you to get from this moment to the next moment to the next moment and get better and stronger? Yeah. Well, it starts out with a neutral examination. So the, the breath is the way of getting into a space of, okay, I'm not going to go into my fight or flight response. Someone just said something to me just now that just 
really irked me or offended me or triggered me or whatever. Now, if we can notice that when it's happening, you know, oftentimes it happens so suddenly that reaction, we can't even control. But the, but we actually can develop more agency over that response. So if we're breathing effectively, then someone can say something and it won't actually trigger that response. We'll actually be able to stay centered inside of ourselves and be like, oh, interesting. Now, I wonder where that came from. I wonder what is it in this person's perception of me or the, their perception of this situation that just caused them to project that type of energy towards me. Interesting. Okay. Now the best defense is no defense at all. The best defense is actually to just be with a situation as it's occurring and be able to stay in your center, stay connected that sense of inner peace and calm and go, oh, okay, interesting. This is this person's perception. What is causing that? Now, more often than not, that perception, the, that whatever they project energetically towards you is going to have to do with so many other things that have nothing to do with you their expectations, their own expectations about how this situation should have played out or their childhood wounding that is based on unresolved stuff from their own past where they are, they, they're still harboring these ideas in, them, in their body about the way that people treat them based on past relationships has nothing to do with you or their low blood sugar, lack of hydration. There are all of these components that we don't take into consideration. And this is just in the example of some type of relating experience, say between a partner or a coworker or whatever. There are so many different things, but you just happen to be in the situation where they end up emotionally triggered, but it has nothing to do with you personally. Now, if we take it personally, then we're screwed. I, I think it's um I think it's landmark or maybe it's a different company, but they talk about the idea is they they're doing the best they can with the tools they have. That's correct. Right? Mm -hmm. Kind of simplest of, of forms. Yeah, and, and that's one thing, right? And that's trying to give the person the benefit of the doubt. Yet I mean, I can only imagine being in the hospital in your situation mm -hmm. and not feeling your, your legs from yeah. basically a car wreck. I mean, there would have to be some sort of anger, I would think, in those in that moment of saying, why me? Kind of, I mean, and, and in a situation Absolutely. like that, it, it's... Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm glad that you used that exact phrase, why me? Because yeah. I've thought about that many, many times. And what I eventually had to come to was, why not me? Hmm. And, and that discussion, that inner voice, what it was, was I realized, you know what? There are billions of people around the world who are each uniquely going through their own form of suffering. 
I'm just one of those 7 billion people on the, in the world who's going through some form of suffering. This is just the form that my suffering took. And I also realized I could see this from any perspective that I want. I could either see it from the default and easy perspective of this is an accident, wasn't supposed to happen. I was supposed to live a better life, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Why me? Why the hell me? I'm an athlete. I'm not a guy who sits around all day. I'm a guy who's very ambitious, who makes things happen. How could this possibly happen to me? I could see it. That would be easy to see it through that perspective. That's the easiest perspective to see it through. That's the perspective that culturally we're almost conditioned to look at it through that perspective. But then I realized, you know what? I'm the one who gets to choose my perspective. No one can choose a perspective for me. That's just the easy perspective. So I can also choose, well, I can look at it through God's eyes and say, oh, well, Sam is now strong enough. He's now proven himself capable of handling a lot. So we're going to give him another challenge. And by doing so, we're going to give him even more of an opportunity to create more good in the world, to create more value in the world. We're going to give him a challenge that allows him to actually be the catalyst for greater value in the world and to inspire others, to help other people think outside of the box, to help other people to transform into a greater version of themselves. So that's the perspective that I chose, but I had to consciously choose that perspective. No one was going to do it for me. And no one could tell me, yeah, yeah, well, you should just look at it this way. If someone had told me, well, you should just look at it this way, I don't know if I'd be open to that. Like I actually had to come to that choice myself. I had to make that decision myself and say, you know what? Ultimately, at the end of the day, life is all about perspective. And the cool thing is, is we actually have agency to be able to choose whatever perspective we want. It's not just going to choose itself. It takes us choosing the, the perspective. So I just chose this perspective. I chose, okay, why not me? Let, me? let me take this experience and see how much I can kind of rock it and see what I can see what the potential is in this experience to be able to make good things happen in the world and to create value in the world and to use it for my own wisdom and to help other people develop more wisdom and, you know, really to get paid for what I do too. So that's pretty cool. You know, in a lot of ways, it's a whole lot better than a desk job. I, I think one thing that is, is so key that you brought up is you had to come to the realization and if someone would have pushed that realization on you, you might've not have felt the same way about it. I think that's with a lot of things. I mean, yeah. when you're told to do something instead of actually learning uh, and come to the realization yourself, kind of self-discovering it, it's so much more powerful. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we can, we can read all the books and we can get all of the, you know, helpful advice from friends and so forth, but ultimately we have to make that choice and it comes not from the mind, but from the heart, you know, it's not something that we can decide up here in our head and say, Okay, well, yeah, I, I, I think that that's probably the best thing to do. We actually have to feel it in our heart. Like, yeah, this is what I, 
I want to share my love with the world. You know, I want to, I want to impact the world in a way that feels good, you know? And, you know, it took a lot of, um, a lot of people coming up to me on a semi-regular basis because this wasn't automatic. I didn't just like realize, oh, this is what I want to do. It took a lot of people over the course of many years coming up to me and saying, you know, Sam, when I'm going through something really, really hard, I often think of you because I see what you've gone through and how you've lived your life. And I think, well, if Sam can do what he's done with paralysis, then I can certainly do, I can certainly, you know, overcome my, the loss of this relationship or the loss of this job or whatever it is. And I can certainly find my power inside if Sam has managed to do it. And for a while, I, I just took that as, you know, hey, you know, thanks. I appreciate that. And, you know, I'd give them a hug and we'd move on. And um, it just, but it felt good to receive that acknowledgement. And then at some point, I think it was probably 2000, maybe late 2013, it was like a light bulb went off and I was like, oh, well, if this is how people are naturally getting inspired by me anyway, then I might as well teach them how to do it, you know? Because there is a skill set, there is a philosophy, there is a mindset, there's a there you have to really work on this stuff on a regular daily basis, and it does involve very deep psychological work that you you really need a certain amount of assistance with to be able to transform something when you know this stuff runs when when 95% of how we think is unconscious you need a guide or a mentor or a coach to help you to see where you're creating your own reality and and what you could create that could be different and so it was at that point that I started Zen warrior training because I realized that was a good kind of name for the the energy that we're going for here you know uh, the zen being that peaceful centered state of calm within and the warrior being not the warrior of going out and slaughtering people needlessly, but the warrior of committing your life to serving the greatest good. I've had a lot of uh, coaches on here, a lot of trainers on here. And, and one question that always brings curiosity to me, um, and there's I mean, a couple, I guess, but one of them is how do you find the the value in what you offer how do you find that price that you associate with what your your classes offer is and i know i've had some coaches on here that have had networks they've had their own coach to kind of help them kind of self-discover that price that best fits their program i mean yeah. how did it work out for you sam well it's been an evolution it's been an evolutionary process and you know i started out with my offerings being very very you know I guess, cheap, reasonably priced, whatever, however you might see it. I still see my offerings as being reasonably priced. I mean, my current offering is a six month program at 25 K. I still see that being very reasonably priced for the right people. Now that's out of the, out of the rate for that's a rate beyond what a lot of people can afford, but there's a lot of people who that's like for, for what I can offer them over the course of six months, that's a, that's cheap. Uh, so I think it's all relative to the population that you're trying to serve. And I think it's somewhat arbitrary. It really has to do with what you feel inside of yourself. 
And the, the thing that I would advise anyone in a coaching profession to do in terms of uh, their, their rates and that type of thing is to get the arbitrary nature of the financial exchange. It really is more the population that you're trying to serve and also making sure that there is a, 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 an investment that that individual or that company is making that where it's going to matter to them. They're going to focus on it. They're going to, it's not going to be something that they take for granted. And I think that that's very important. But I also think it's important as individuals to not associate our personal value with the rate that we charge. And that's a big one because a lot of people will think, well, what am I worth? I hate that question because the answer is there is no money that can, that can qualify or quantify what you're worth. You're worth each and every one of us has infinite worth, self-worth. Now, when we associate a monetary value with our worth, that's insulting to ourselves and it's inaccurate. And we'll always struggle with that. So that's what I've noticed a lot of people doing on some kind of unconscious level is they'll think, well, am I worth 10K? Am I worth 25K? Am I worth 50K, et cetera? The fact of the matter is your worth will always be infinite. And the amount that you choose to to charge for what you do is arbitrary and based on the clientele that you're seeking and also based on what you feel that you can provide and, and feel comfortable with. Um, and for people that are trying to find a coach, I mean, and especially we have a lot of people that listen here that are starting their own businesses or they're kind of working through things and going through struggles and, and things like that. And maybe they need that little bit of extra push. And there's so many different coaches out there. So many people saying, I can do this, say I can do that. How do you know you're finding the right coach for what you're looking for? Well, for, for one thing, there's, like you said, there's so many coaches out there these days. And I would say finding a coach who really specializes in the area that you are looking for transformation in is an important part. Um, because there are a lot, there's a lot of people who operate and a lot of coaches who operate from a, a kind of a general standpoint of, I am a coach, life coach, business coach, et cetera, but they might not actually specialize in your area. So I would say, first of all, try to find someone who specializes in your unique area. And, and also ideally what I, what I think is a really important piece with coaching is since, since there's a sort of, you can go through coaching accreditation programs and that type of thing, or not even go through any program whatsoever. Um, there's, there's any number of ways to become a coach uh, and you can just call yourself a coach and that's fine too. But my, the thing that I most value in when I'm seeking a coach myself 
And what I suggest in other people seeking a coach is that you look at what I call their experiential resume. In other words, it's not about what program they have a certificate in, but what kind of life have they lived? How can they prove what they have done on an experiential level? Because if they can't actually show you what they've done, I mean, there's a lot of, I, I hate to be sort of demeaning or judgmental, but I see a lot of people sort of coming into the coaching world in their early 20s or whatever. I'm like, what life experience do you actually have? I mean, I, I, I don't doubt that you have acquired some knowledge or you might have read some books, but what experience do you have? Like, we need to be really, especially if you're going to be paying a, a good amount of money to a coach, make sure they have some life experience to back up the wisdom and knowledge that they're sharing. Otherwise, why bother? And what I really kind of resent in this, um, in this profession is people getting into it because of the money. They're like, yeah, I give good advice. Sure. I can, I've, you know, I've been to landmark or I've, you know, I've read 10 books on 10 self-help books. You know, I can coach and I can, there's good money in this. I hate that because it's like, it cheapens the profession for people who have actually been through extraordinary life experiences and have had to learn how to do use these skills themselves. So, you know, I kind of wish there was a way of filtering out those folks, but, but I would say to anyone looking for coaching, do your own due diligence to filter out all the garbage, because I would say there's probably, you know, if I was to estimate the number of coaches who are really worth their weight, it's probably only, you know, two to 5% of the coaches who are out there. Yeah. I mean, I, I, no, I, I can agree with you. I think there's a lot of uh, people that just put their name as a coach out there. Uh, and that could be the difficult part for some people. I mean, I've, <clears throat> this was a couple years back and I, I went to an event. I didn't realize it was a coaching sales situation. And I get to the event uh, and the person's really eloquent in, in their, their speaking. And uh, so I Google them because I think you should probably Google anyone you talk to and deal with. And the first uh, page and a half, or positive posts about him, but then you actually read and all the, the websites were his own websites, his own doings. <laughs> and so I was like, if you looked at it really quick, you might not have realized that, but then I, I, I dive deeper into it. I was like, it, it can be very difficult. And I think it's going to get more and more difficult going in the future. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it's funny how there's this whole, like, there's this whole niche of coaches, coaching coaches who coach coaches who coach coaches do. It's like, I'm like, I almost need to just, you know, take a social media break so I don't see that kind of crap in my feed. You know, it's like, it's so frustrating to me. You, um, and, and this is something I wrote down and I, I want to just jump back to it. You're a younger self, right? You have a, a very positive way of looking at things about it's part of the idea of the, it's a life is about love, about friendship and things like that. Mm -hmm. and, and I think the U S mindset as a whole is I want things. I want it now. I want objects. E even there's a, um, at, at Keller Williams, the, my team's part of the Keller Williams brand. There's a, a, a coaching platform. It's called bold. And one of the things they do in there, it's trying to raise your financial thermostat. Right. And the whole uh, thing of it is every day 
you have, let's say you have a thousand dollars today, you write down what you'd buy for a thousand dollars. Tomorrow you buy what you'd buy for two thousand dollars. Every day you're doubling it, finding something else you're gonna buy, something you're gonna purchase. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the mindset behind it is basically buying items right there. So right. your way of looking at thing is totally different, especially at a, a teenager. Yeah, it's I true. Assume, I, I would it's assume, true. and this is an assumption, right? Were your parents hippies? That's where. Well, you know, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I wouldn't say they were traditional hippies, but uh, my mom was a farmer. I grew up on an organic blueberry farm. My dad was an architect with five businesses. So uh, my dad was um, busy with his architectural firm and with being the president of the Ameri uh, main chapter of the American Institute of Architects and uh, a number of other things. So he was a, he was the, the alpha sort of moneymaker in the family. And then my mother, uh, she kind of ran the vibe around the house um, on the farm. And uh, yeah, I, I think I was largely influenced by my mother just with an appreciation for the beauty of nature, for example, you know, and, and how glorious just life itself is, you know, independently of the things that we can acquire. And, and so uh, I have nothing, no problem with acquiring things and I have no problem with goals motivating us to acquire more. And I think that that's how our capitalist system is able to continue. But I also think there's a, um, the, the, the flip side of that coin is if that's the only way that you're able to appreciate life is through acquisition, you're really missing out on so much because, you know, this moment now is the only moment that ever happens. It is it, this, how I am right now in, di dictates everything. And if I say, okay, I'm only going to be happy once I get that new car. Well, guess what? I've just hijacked my own potential for happiness. Hmm. I've just put it in the future and I've said, until that happens, I'm not going to be satisfied. I'm not going to be fulfilled. Guess what? Once we get there, we'll not be, we'll, we'll have an, a temporary experience of excitement, but then what? Guess what? We are reinforcing unconsciously. Unconsciously, we are reinforcing that there is always going to be something in the future that is going to be the thing that makes me happy. So what we are internally is the habits that we practice of thinking. So if I practice thinking, I am only going to be happy and fulfilled when I get that car, then we're going to get the car, but then our brains are going to go, the practice is saying I'm only happy until some future outcome happens. So then we're going to have to find a new future outcome. And then that car is going to be like, man, a few, few weeks go by, suddenly the happiness starts to wear off. We're like, huh, well, it's just kind of a car and it's now, it's just a car that I drive now. Why am I so unhappy? Oh, I, I guess I better, you know, focus on uh, getting that new house or that new girlfriend or whatever it is. So then we put, put the, the happiness in the future again. Well, we are just reinforcing our own cycles of not being fulfilled because we're saying it is only in the future when a goal is achieved that I can find fulfillment. And I say, hey, let's back up. Let's look at that. We need to examine that because that's not a healthy way to live. Instead, a much more productive and healthy way to live is I can be fully fulfilled right now. I can be fully happy right now. I can see that there's no material object that is going to be, make me happier than I have the potential to feel right now. Now, do I want to go for that thing? 
Maybe, or maybe not. Maybe I don't even want that thing because my fulfillment is happening right now. But if I do want that thing, I can still go for it, but I can do, go for it realistically and going, you know, I'm still responsible for my happiness now. And that car is not going to make me any happier because I'm already finding that happiness now. Uh, we, we've already kind of sp spoke about that pivotal moment in your life, right? Mm -hmm. Where, um, I mean, you got into the wreck if, and I know we've talked about the idea that you had to come to the, your self-realization and you couldn't have been told anything. If let's say someone's listening or if it's even yourself in that moment, is there anything you at this, you right now could speak to that person or speak to you back then or someone else in that moment that you think might help them out? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I could go back in, in time and say, you're, you're going to learn how to kill it with this whole situation. Like you're fast forward 20 years in your life. You're going to be killing it. People are going to be admiring you, respecting you, paying you, appreciating you. You're going to feel a sense of alignment and purpose with all of this, where this is going, going to go from feeling like an accident to feeling like simply an incident. Like if I could, if this self could go back and tell that person that, that would have been amazing. And in fact, I feel like, you know, this is oftentimes something that I suggest to my clients that they do. We work through a practice of this adult self going back to that hurt, wounded self of the past doesn't have to be someone in an accident that leaves them paralyzed. It could be some conversation that left a lasting imprint on who they felt that they were, that they still harbor inside of themselves to this day, going back and saying, hey, you know, you got this. You're going to you're going to rock this. And it's I'm, I'm here with you, you know, and and in doing so, we can actually go back and heal that trauma from the past. And I think that this is one of the biggest, biggest things that we need to work with, because, you know, we live in a culture where it's always the focus is on the easy way out. And and, you know, the easy way out can oftentimes be drinking off our feelings when we're frustrated or upset or jumping to the conclusion that we need medication when actually it's just not so much about that, but learning how to go and self-soothe in a way that, you know, learning how to develop that capacity to self-soothe, you know, not to say that medication isn't required in certain circumstances. It certainly is. But I think a lot of people just jump to the easiest thing because they haven't learned those, that skill of inner healing and, you know, healing can sometimes get a bad rap in the sort of alpha doer community, but it's essential. Each one of us has aspects to ourselves that we need to actually heal. Otherwise we, though they're going to, they're going to continue to control us, those aspects of ourselves. Yeah. Like you said, you, we have that. Sometimes we have that mindset that you can't show your feelings and it's in there. You just have to let it uh, be okay with it releasing them. And, and if, if you're listening right now and you're going through some stuff or you need some, some help with, I mean, your platform, I mean, what's the best way that they, those people listening can find your stuff, Sam? 
Yeah, you can go to my website, zenwarriortraining.com. You can follow me on Instagram at zenwarriortraining, uh, LinkedIn, zenwarriortraining. Uh, so anywhere where you put my name, Sam Morris and Zen Warrior Training, I'll show up pretty much everywhere. Thank you. And I, and, and I think, at least for me, I mean, one big takeaway was, I mean, I think we all want to know that things are going to be okay. I mean, yeah. Okay. I mean, that's I think the, the biggest thing right there. So if you're going through stuff right now, no, this is not basically the end of your journey. This is just basically uh, a hurdle in your adventure. I mean, yeah. That's yeah. And just know that you have the, you know, it's, it's up to you. You've got the personal agency inside of yourself to decide how you want to experience your circumstances. You know, when you learn that your circumstances don't have to control you, but you can actually choose how to experience your life and you can actually write the narrative. That's the most empowering thing that you can possibly do. Well, thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Sam, for being on the podcast and, and everyone, please subscribe, please share, follow Sam. And uh, thank you for listening to the, Thank you for listening to The Road to Growth, Success of an Entrepreneur. Please like, subscribe, and stay connected. Visit www.TheEnriquezGroup.com. Yeah, I created a website. Hope to see you again next week. The Enriquez Group, signing off.